0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and I get to host the podcast. Today is episode 123, and I sit down with my dear friend, ministry partner, and well, just an incredible guy, Pastor Jeff Cartwright. Uh, Jeff and I get into a dialogue about what it means to pastor in the urban church about recovery, about gut checks, about all the things that we do to stay obedient to God. You're gonna love Jeff, you're gonna love his heart, you're gonna love his ministry. God is doing some incredible things with New Hope Church on Xenia Avenue. And if you like this conversation, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It does help people find the podcast on our platform. And hey, maybe even share this episode with a friend. A referral is one of the best gifts that you can give us because it lets people know one person at a time about what God is doing through this platform. Also, if you didn't know, um, we're a ministry of Spirit and Truth. Spirit and Truth is a revival ministry for the local church, and we believe in bringing the kingdom of God right here, right now. For more information and to get connected to Spirit and Truth, check them out, spiritandtruth.life. Now, without any further ado, Here's my conversation with Pastor Jeff Cartwright. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have one of my dearest friends in the entire planet with me in person, the good Reverend Jeffrey Cartwright. Jeff, how are you, my friend?
1: (sighs) I'm great. I'm better when you don't call me the good reverend. Please (laughs) never use that phrase to describe me ever again. Uh, But
0: you are, in fact, a good reverend. You're a pastor, and uh, maybe more importantly, you are a pastor to a city block. And I was wondering if you could kind of talk to us about the difference between um, the way some people pastor churches in a traditional model and kind of what you've done for the last what is it, 20 some odd years on Xenia Avenue?
1: Yeah. So man, that's that's a big question. Um so I moved to Dayton from Oklahoma uh as a missionary to the inner city back in nineteen ninety-four. Uh and not as a pastor when I moved here. I was working with teens and children and and what I learned, um, I don't think I knew coming in, but what I learned coming in was that it's all about relationships, Mm. and um, that becomes more and more true every minute of every day of every year in ministry, is that it's all about relationships. It never changes, never changed from the beginning. It's always been about that, but I think we get caught up in lots of different things. And the beautiful thing about the way I had to start was that it it just became— naturally, about relationships. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the neighborhood. Yeah. And so I was in the neighborhood, walking around, talking to people, building relationships, starting to build circles of people to connect for events and activities, but then giving being given opportunities to grow deeper, which led to um, lasting relationships that have led into the start of a, of a new church back in 2007. Um, and then... I can tell you more about that as you want to know it, but
0: well, let, let's do this first because uh, as a native Daytonian, I have uh, I have a, a depth of knowledge about Xenia Avenue that I think most people who are listening may not. Okay, and so maybe could you could you paint a picture on why somebody from Oklahoma would would travel across the country it, to to go and do ministry in this. What is it? A, f- a five block radius, fifteen block radius?
1: Yeah. So the the neighborhood is in the heart of a of a zip code. That's, I mean, it's a it's an urban community, but the neighborhood itself is in the heart of of a zip code that's probably low median income for the city, but it's one of the lowest income places in the entire city. the 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 neighborhood itself, um, ravaged with drugs. Uh, And addiction issues ravaged with poverty and low education, low, um, even prior to COVID, lots of people were unemployed uh, because they couldn't get jobs because they didn't have the education to get the job. And then keeping a job once you have it uh, in a community that has just been in cycles of poverty for years and years and years. I mean, so it was everything that you probably think about in the inner city. Was all the stuff that was taking place on Xenia Avenue when I moved here? Yeah,
0: and at one point in time, not too long ago, it was designated as the heart of the heroin epidemic. Is that right? In the country, not oh, yeah.
1: just not just in Ohio, but over the throughout the country it was it was national news that area. Yeah, so,
0: so one of the questions that I love to ask people on the podcast is how they hear God's voice right? and right? And the idea of moving from Oklahoma to Dayton seems like this big, enormous, scary task. How did you know that it was God that was calling you and not just,
1: um, you know, a young man's foolish pride? So I knew what I didn't know clearly was that I was called to Dayton. Okay. What I knew clearly was that I was called to ministry uh, when I was a junior, late junior in high school or in college. I was called to full time ministry and I knew I didn't want to finish. I wanted to finish my degree as fast as I could. And I didn't want to go back to school. (laughs) So the question was, God, how can I do both of those things? And the answer was this program called the US2 program through the United Methodist Church. And so ended up uh, going to the interview weekend in New York City, and they laid in front of us 50 locations throughout the country where we could potentially go. And our one afternoon's event was basically to go through all of these applications, to pray over them, and then to rank our top three. My top three were Tacoma, Washington at a college ministry, and I picked that solely because I love Tacoma, Washington, right, the area. I've been there. Great area. It is a great area. The second one was Tallahassee, Florida, which I would never pick normally, but the job sounded cool. And then this place called Dayton, Ohio, I'd never heard of before, uh, was on the top of my list. I felt like God was pointing me there. And it was partially because I had some experience doing youth ministry, Mm. didn't know how different urban youth ministry was going to be. And so, and then from there, the United Methodist Church and Led by God's Spirit brought me to Dayton.
0: And so you you show up in Dayton, and you didn't show up to plant a church, but rather the church... Grew out of the relationships that you had. Now, there's this incredible story that you, I've heard you tell, and I I was hoping you'd tell it for us here about your prayer time. And as you begin to pray for God to kind of start this church and how long that took, and, you know, if if, uh, that process of how you felt like, man, God is not answering my prayers, and I don't know if this church thing is really going to work, and well, I'll let you tell the story. Okay. You're better at it than
1: I am. Yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, a mutual friend of ours uh, is married to uh, the guy who I was having this conversation with. That, uh, Chaplain
0: Terry Jones. Yes, she, she's, that's she's been exactly right. She's
1: been on the podcast. I know she's been on the podcast. Yeah. Well, her husband Richard and I were good friends in seminary, and he was up for a week uh, she was uh, I think she was deployed at the time and we were he we was, were
0: deployed together yes that's the ironic part about that this I, was 04 to05 okay all right so right? Richard and,
1: came up and the the United Methodist Church had come to me and asked me to plant a church and I'd been dabbling in this right so like what I mean by that is we were we were meeting every week and we were praying about what God wanted us to do but but like I wasn't I never thought I was wired to plant a church, mm. never thought it was ever going to happen, even when I agreed to try it. Uh, so I di- I certainly didn't think it was going to fund my life. So I, <laughs> I, uh, I was doing it on the side, very part-time, but then I was working my full-time job, which was as a director of youth development at a secular organization. So he came up, and we were spending the week together, and I was telling him about the church, and I remember him, it was a Saturday night, one of those dumb Saturday night, two in the morning conversations, yeah. and, and we're sitting there... And we're talking through the fact that I was still working this other job, and I was frustrated about the church, and and he kept asking me all these pointed questions, which led us back to—here was the question that kind of threw me over the edge. He said, what if the church isn't experiencing the growth that you feel like God wants it to experience because you don't trust him? Hmm. Trust him being God. Trust him being God, yes. And I said, Richard, I hate your guts. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew he was right, which is why I hated his gut so much. Right. And so uh that very following week I went into the office of my of my director and I said, I have to resign because I'm called to do something else and I'm holding on to this as a security blanket, and I believe that God's telling me if I don't trust him, that this is never gonna work. And the following week, uh two big things happened that led to breakthrough in the church. The first one was we didn't have any music at that point and a guitar player came to me and said, "Hey, I heard you're trying to plant a church." I I knew this guy, but and and he knew loosely that I was trying to plant a church, but I had like the thought he would ever come along and help us was amazing. Here he is coming and asking if he could help. The second thing that happened is our first community contact became a regular connection to the church. And from there God started to grow it and it all happened ironically, the week after I said, okay, I guess it's time to give this up. So. so so,
0: as you're pastoring people now and you're thinking about your own walk with Christ, how much do you feel like um, our ability to, to let go of control dictates how much God will trust us?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're completely related, right? Yeah. I mean, like... God gives us a piece of something to do. it's the talents right it's the it's the parable of the talents, right? I can trust you with this so I can give you more of it. Um, we're we we go through seasons in ministry this has been my experience anyway. you go through seasons in ministry where God has to push you, He has to push you, He has to push you to get not just you but but everything he's entrusted you with to the next place. Mm. And in order for you to get there, you have to take that leap of faith. you got to step out of the boat and and walk. Uh, on the water and keep your eyes on him, and and so I think they're completely related. And I, it's been my life experience over and over and over again. I, I'm I'm a slow learner. In case you didn't pick up on that, so, oh, that uh, resonates. That's why we're good friends. Yeah, actually. yeah. I think that's right. <laughs>
0: um, when, when you think about twenty years doing ministry in an urban setting, um, first of all, mo- most pastors don't survive that. Let's mm. just, you know, if I can be honest to the people who are listening, like it it's a a it's transient like it it's hard ministry it's it's watching people who went to your church on Sunday overdose on Monday or Tuesday yeah. um what and this is probably a really big question so what have you learned about god doing urban ministry that that you think maybe somebody who's always been in the suburbs or in rural ministry may not know
1: hmm. well I can. I guess I can. Let me frame that in this in this way. I can tell you what I didn't know mm. until I came into the city, um, and may this probably has as much to do with me as it does with the city environment that I'm in, and that is I I learned of the profound love that God has for people in general. Yeah, and for me specifically, by the way, um, I went into this thing um, pretty broken and pretty scarred personally, in ways that I didn't really realize, and I'm still working through that today even, but yeah. um, came, I came in with a very legalistic idea of how God works, that his, uh, his love and his faithfulness are based on my love and my faithfulness, and so I'm going to work as hard as I can to be everything he wants me to be, and that's, by the way, the expectation he has of everybody, and so guess what? No wonder the city's going to hell in a handbasket, blah, 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 all of these things. And what I've come to understand and realize in a really profound way is that god loves god loves those people and he loves me Mm. and he has a grace for me that is greater than all of my sin as the song says and so um that's been profound for me and i I don't i i'm not going to pretend for one second that somebody in the suburbs hasn't experienced that too sure but i can just tell you that i didn't have that experience in 20 years prior to my ministry um it was very legalistic and very, very dogment of, you know, dogmented. I know, that's probably not even a word, but we're going with it. Um, this was life. And and then I started to see God's love is bigger than anything I pictured. Yeah. He broke, He broke out of, he helped me to break out of a box that was pretty small. And I'm still breaking boxes. I'm still trying to get through. I don't think we ever capture the depth of his love in reality here, but uh, but he's p- constantly pushing me beyond any boundary that I thought uh, thought was comfortable for sure, uh, and really was even possible.
0: That's that's beautiful. And and so you and I have obviously we I think we've been meeting just about every Friday. Uh, we meet for for lunch and for a band meeting. We talk about our sins. We talk about. How awful we are as husbands and pastors, yeah. And, yeah. Oh man, and fathers. <laughs> How we still have a job and a marriage. It's unbelievable. It's, it's a miracle. <laughs> uh, and so, so I, I have I've had a front row seat at the way that God has has uh, continues to refine your rough edges. And the last, um, I don't know, probably five or six years. One of the things that you've wrestled with, and that you've given me permission to talk about today. Is, is your own personal journey of recovery. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, you're a recovery church. You, you have to be to do this kind of urban ministry. And I think somewhere along the way, it, it latched onto your heart, and you realized some things about your health and your life. And I wonder if you would uh, take us into that journey when you realized, uh, I really do have a problem.
1: Yeah, so as you pointed out, being in a, an urban setting, recovery is a big deal and so you if you're not paying attention to that as the church I think in this culture in general then you probably need to take a second look but specifically in an urban setting like that it's if you're not if you're not zeroing in on addiction and recovery issues then you're then you're not being the church in that place so <clears throat> so I've been preaching about the step the 12 steps and the power of God to work through those and And, you know, recognizing your powerlessness and all of those things. I've been preaching about it for years. Years. And every year, gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight to the point where I remember about, it's been about six years ago now, maybe seven years ago. I can't remember exactly, but uh, I remember laying in bed one night and trying to go to sleep and all of a sudden I had this chest pain. It was like an elephant sitting Mm. on my chest. And I I rolled over and I woke my wife up and my wife hates this part of the story, but I I rolled over and I woke her up and I said, honey, I I think I'm having a heart attack. And she was, she was, she kind of nodded at me and rolled back over and went to sleep. And I'm like, I guess I'm in this all by myself. (laughs) Now, what I, what I forget to tell all the time is that my wife is on this medication that makes it hard for her to wake up. Sure. And so, <laughs> anyway, and, and it's not wife, that she doesn't
0: no, care. Let's be honest here. Your wife is one of the most caring people that I've uh, ever met. Amazing she woman. She has a amazing, ginormous heart.
1: Amazing woman, but it's way more fun to tell that story without that yeah, part. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll
0: be here to protect Sharon. Thank you. Thank
1: you very much for that. So, anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm laying there, and I remember praying the prayer that probably many of you have prayed and that definitely many of the people that I serve have prayed, which is, God, if you will rescue me, I will change my behavior. Yeah. And within five minutes, I'm not, this is no exaggeration, within five minutes, the chest pain went away. Oh, wow. And I thought, he did it. Oh, wow. He rescued me. So I got up the next morning and got ready for work and got in my car and drove to McDonald's and picked up my two Egg McMuffins and my Diet Coke, and I'm eating the second Egg McMuffin, and I thought to myself, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just prayed that this prayer last night, God, if you rescue me, then I'll change the way. So I started searching for what it meant to change the way I was living my life, and it occurred to me, I think I have a problem that's more than just more than just, I eat too much. Yeah, it's more than just health and yeah, and, yeah. and food. Um, I think I have, I think I might have an addiction problem. Yeah. So I started exploring that, and long story short, I started a, a program connected to Overeaters Anonymous called Grace Eaters. Lost 180 pounds yeah. um, and kept it off until COVID hit, and then fell back into some old habits and have gained some of it back. I, I still have kept most of it off, sure. but I have a lot of work to do to get back on track. But point is, I recognize that Addiction, addiction is a bigger problem than 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 the the ways that we think about it so often. It's Drugs, big, alcohol, than, yeah, pornography. Just, yeah. Guess what? We all have addiction in our life to something, and and I would think of it in terms of of anything that distracts us from God and keeps us hiding the truth hmm. from ourselves. Could you could possibly define it as addictive behavior, and we need recovery from that, and so. Anyway, it started me on a journey not only of of weight loss, but of trying to discover what is it that's keeping me that's keeping me from comple- completely fully committing myself to the journey God's sent me on. And so I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, uh, in fact, that in, some of that includes counseling. One of the, one of those things includes a sponsor um, that I'm reporting to on a regular basis, what I'm eating and meeting with them on a regular basis, walking through the 12 steps, going to meetings which I don't do very well, but but my, I, I wasn't my, friend, gonna, my friend Tony has been pushing me about this. I wasn't gonna say
0: anything about your meeting attendance oh uh,
1: that's okay. I didn't think you were but, okay, good. Uh, so I'm I'm confessing to the podcast and the
0: podcast appreciates it. yeah well because I think I actually I just think that there are so many of us who um who do well for a season and then a new season hits yeah and and then we fall backwards, yeah and we forget what. What what do we do to do well the first time, right? And if COVID has taught us anything, it's that what we what we once held sacred can be quickly ripped away from us. That's exactly right. How have you seen COVID impact Azenia Avenue, and and how, how is that different than? I mean, I'll be honest. Most of my community here, and in, in you know, warm and cheerf- cheerful Centerville, has has kept their jobs. Yeah, most of them have have done pretty well. It, you know, aside for some isolation and some, uh, you know, I, I mean, some additional drinking uh, from from some people as a coping mechanism. I, I would say that most of our our life here didn't change much. Yeah, I, what what's it look like on on your side of the street?
1: So one of the things we wrestled with early on was is you know in the the church world there was a lot of talk about uh you know focus on doing what you do well online. And in our community that's a language that people don't speak. They they're online, they most everybody has a smartphone today, but when they're on their smartphone the last thing they're seeking out is uh, educational, self-help—certainly not churches. They're not looking to, they're not looking for a church online to attend. Uh, that's not how they're using their time and their energy and their focus. And so, we knew right away that it was going to be really hard to connect to our community online. And so, we've been trying to figure out what are some creative ways to do that. We spent a lot of time, uh, still going out into the community, dropping off gift bags, doing whatever we could to keep connected to people. And then rethinking what, what does outreach look like in this season? because mm-hmm. you almost can't do it, right? It's really hard to do in a in what seemed like a meaningful way. And so I, I wouldn't say that we figured any of this out. In fact, here we are today still trying to figure out how do we how do we get connected again with people who have sort of disconnected for lots of reasons. For it, it's I've I'm not in the habit anymore. I'm still afraid. for lots of reasons, still not connected. Back to our church or any local church, really, um, that's been the biggest impact. Maybe people lost jobs, but the the stimulus packages that have been flying around have have more than supported people. Whether that's healthy or unhealthy is is not for me to decide today. Sure. But um, but those those things have have led to people being fairly stable economically, financially, in there or as stable as they were at least. Um, but the big thing is connecting. In community, and I feel like that's where we lost the most. Because you know, if I'm in if I'm in a place where I have a fairly healthy family network, um, then I maybe don't lose a lot by not being mm. in community. If I don't have that, then I lose everything. And that's what we've experienced probably more than anything on Xenia Avenue.
0: So, when you pray for your community, do you pray for a stronger sense of community? I mean, how how, how do we begin to build that back?
1: yeah well, it's a very good question, and we're it's a it's a question that we're asking internally is how do we how do we define who we are and then how do we live into that in a way that that meets the need that is really present in our community and so we're we're asking a lot of questions that we didn't think to ask before that this has forced us to ask. like again, as simple as who are we really? Yeah, who are we supposed to be in a community like ours? and then how do we how do we connect to people? In a in a meaningful way that's gonna that's gonna impact them in a way that that's meaningful to them.
0: So, you know, as a pastor, I know it, and and you know that uh, that's it's a lot of things to carry, right? It's a lot of yeah. burdens. Yeah. Um, you, you know, in addition to all of the pastoral work that you do you also uh, do quite a bit of fundraising for Xenia Avenue because the resources aren't there for the buildings and the spaces and you even raise part of your own salary in order to serve there and I, I know you don't like to talk about that kind of stuff um, but what I'm getting at is what what do you do um, to keep yourself in a healthy place with God mm. uh, what what are those what are those? D- don't smile at me like that. <laughs> I'm not trapping. This you is in such this. a leading question. I was I was legit asking <laughs> what are what are your what are your routines and discipline.
1: So what Tony knows about me and that anybody who knows me well knows about me is that boundaries and rhythms are a struggle of my life. I wasn't gonna say that, Jeffrey. I know you weren't gonna say it. I'm just saying you know me well enough to know that that's the answer to the question. And so <laughs> guess what? I, apparently this is the confession <laughs> broadcast and podcast. Uh, and so I, just in as as far as confessing is concerned is I, I struggle with boundaries and rhythms mm. in healthy ways in my life. And so um, one of the most important pieces is having people like you in my life, mm, people who are holding me accountable, who are challenging me, constantly reminding me of the importance of, of getting those boundaries and rhythms, pulling me out of my shell, you know, inviting me to go water skiing or do a baseball game or Finding healthy things that separate my my heart and my mind from those things that are weighing me down every day. Sometimes my wife, who is um, this woman, is a woman of God. If there ever was one, and um, she prays for me on a regular basis, but she also reminds me constantly that that I have a family that. And you needs guys do You guys do a date day. We once, do yep. once a week. Yeah, uh, when we're faithful to that, we do that. But. Um, She's, she's been integral in helping me make sure that a Sabbath is happening every week, um, pushing me to, to close, the, close the computer, to turn off the phone, to, uh, those things that are really hard sometimes to do when, you're, when you just don't know where to stop.
0: Yeah, and you you also spend, and you're not giving yourself enough credit, I think, which is a another common Jeff trait. But like, uh, you you also spend time in the Word every sure, day. Sure, every day. Yep. You're discipling, um, you know, four to six guys yep. at any given time. Like you, you've got a disciple maker's heart, you know, and and so you're you're pouring into those people, and all of that is life giving as well. Sure, right?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Most of the time, <laughs> 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 it's at least life checking.
0: Yeah. right
1: so what is the, what's the difference? Well, so life life giving I mean like I feel like immediately breathes life into you There's, that would be how I' define it. when I say life checking, that comes with a lot of pain mm. even though it probably also comes with a lot of growth. yeah and so I, I find that my time in the word and my time especially with my with the guys I disciple can be very life checking for me mm. which is sometimes really painful but ultimately I know leads to good things.
0: So let me ask you this: Let's say that you're being checked. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the What's the next thing that you do after you've been checked by a, maybe a piece of scripture or somebody yeah. you're discipling? Like, I, I think that you know, another word for it is conviction, probably, right? Yeah, you're being convicted. Yeah, and I think there are probably a lot of people listening who maybe they're hearing uh, the ways that you've stepped out in faith. Maybe they're hearing about their own walk in in your story, and they're feeling convicted. What do we do the day after we feel convicted or the, the hour after? You know? What do you want to do or what do you do? I know, I know what I do. I find ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. Pizza's my favorite. Uh, no. Um, well, so I, I was telling you the story yesterday about, um, you know, I've had some trouble with boundaries and rhythms over the last few weeks, and, and that's led to coming to a day off and not spending that well with my family. So my wife calls me on this. Sure. A little life check yesterday. A little life check. And so I'm in the shower after our after our life check moment, which she didn't recognize as a life check. She was just like, what is the problem, man? Yeah. You're just not in a good space. And I didn't know the answer to that question. So I'm in the shower, and I'm thinking through this, and a million thoughts are coming to my head. And I landed at this, that I, the struggle is I'm not content. Hmm. And how do I become content in every circumstance? And I thought of, you know, I'm kind of eating in a boring pattern right now, and my the part of my job that I hate most is what I'm spending the most time doing right now. and uh, I'm which means I'm squeezing out things that I really enjoy doing a lot of times. and and so all of these things led me back to, okay, there are seasons like that in your life. how do you how do you recognize that you don't necessarily have to settle for that, but you do need to learn how to be content in every circumstance? and i the thing that came specifically to mind was we our church participated with 20 of our folks in a in a rice packing event back at, with a partner church earlier this month and we packed 9000 rice meals for a family for families in africa and i remembered in the shower as i was thinking about the boring food that i have to eat what would it be like to eat a rice pack every day mm. for the rest of your life and i thought I bet they're not complaining about the rice pack that they get to eat because it means they get to eat. Yeah, and so it was super, super challenging to me to start thinking about okay, so God's given you a great ministry, a great job, an incredible family, food to eat at all. What are you complaining about? And man, once that that was those felt like the longest shower in history, and it was probably <laughs> in a ten minute season where God just says, hey. Get it together, man, yeah. and it changed my day. Um, so it was—it was a process of stepping back and going, "Okay, what am I hearing right now, and how do I live into what I'm hearing, or live out of if I need to get out of it?"
0: Right? Sure. So, I mean, that sounds said another way, right? Like that sounds like a gratitude check. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so maybe the key to contentment is to find what you're
1: thankful for. In this case, in in every case, yes. In this case, it was it led to gratitude. Yeah, that was the that's what needed to happen in order for me to get to a new place.
0: And so, we're, you know, we're you and I have been very honest with each other as we always are about how rough this season has been in yeah. ministry. Um, when you think about like, man, just coming out of COVID, if if we ever come out of COVID, um, and w- what the next season of ministry looks like. What is the vision do you think that God has for for New Hope Church and for Xenia Avenue?
1: So, we're as we're, it's funny you asked that question. We had a conversation this week uh, with an organization who asked us the question, Who are you? Hmm. And we were pretty sure we knew who we were, uh, especially pre COVID. Yeah. And, even up until the last couple of months we've we felt like yeah we're still we're still heading the right direction but man all of these barriers and struggles and covid and covid and covid and it's forced us to start asking different questions and and then of course this question comes up who are you really who are you going to be in this next season and i think we're so we we our mission statement is restoring hope one life at a time through Jesus Christ that can mean lots of things yeah And I think what we're asking now is we thought we had a picture of what that was, and now we're saying maybe we need to dig a little deeper. And so stay tuned, and I can answer that question a little better down the road maybe.
0: So does that mean that when you figure out the answer to that question, you're going to come back
1: on the podcast? If that's what you need me to do, I'll do it. I
0: feel like I would need closure Okay, and all of the – you know the ten people that are listening to this, <laughs> as my
1: friend Joseph would say, "Stop leaving Zacchaeus in the tree." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I'll do that. Okay, I'll good. Do that.
0: Good, good, good. Um, and so let me let me ask you this: If there are people who are listening right now, and, and they are like they're moved by what God is doing on on Zenia Avenue through New Hope Church. And they are ready to like say, "Hey, man, how can I help? Um, what's the best way, you know, for them to help to get involved? If if maybe somebody out there feels led to to make a monetary donation, how can they support the ministry of what God is calling you, uh, you and your community to? Because you're not doing it by yourself. You Absolutely, got a, you got a great team of people around yeah. you. How can they support all of that on Xenia Avenue? Where's the best place for them to start?
1: Uh, best place to start would just be to reach out to us. You can go to org and check out our website. Um, and it's kind of under construction now, but soon we'll be up to date with, uh, the latest information, a video that talks a little bit about our story. Uh, and then through the website, you can, you can get us via email, Dayton at gmail.com. Uh, you can email me personally at cartwright at gmail.com. And those are all good ways to to start the ball rolling into setting up a conversation uh, for maybe next steps. Whether you whether you have some expertise in an area of helping us build some things that need to be built, or you you want to you want to offer some advice, you want to you want to send a check. Any of those things can happen starting with one of those one of those three things.
0: And you're also doing a ton of ministry on your Facebook page, yeah. And you do daily devotionals there if people want to join and be a part. And that's that's New Hope Dayton on Facebook.
1: Yes, that's right. Great.
0: And we'll link to all of those in the show notes. Uh, what about you personally? Any way that people can connect with you? Are you on social media? That's kind of a joke because I know you're not.
1: <laughs> well, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> you're on Facebook, sort Jeff. Car- yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah Jeff I'm Car- on right. Facebook, sort of, and I I'm on there probably once a day just to just to check in with people and make sure that. Uh, I'm not getting messages and things like that, or or if I am, I'm responding to them. But, um, yeah, so you can check with me on Facebook. My email address is a great way to connect to me, and that's a good place to start to to sound out. I love face to face conversations with people. I love yeah. to tell the story. love to give people a tour of our facility, what God's doing. Help them to see the neighborhood, maybe meet some people that God has changed because of the work that God's doing on Zenia Avenue.
0: It's so, pretty it's pretty incredible. I tell people all the time that it. If Jesus were on earth, he's going to church at New Hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so thankful for you and for your ministry. Now, uh, you know this. The last question I always love to ask people, it's an advice question, mm-hmm. except I get to take you back to a very specific moment in your life.
1: Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and um, so so this is, I'm going I'm to take you back to the day after you step fro- foot on Xenia Avenue for the very first time. Right. And and 20 some odd years ago, Mm -hmm. you go back and you talk to that younger version of Jeff Cartwright. What's the one piece of advice you're going to give him as he gets ready to start on this journey?
1: Wow. I think I think what I would say. That's a really good question. I think maybe I would say pay attention mm. and don't miss don't miss the opportunities. I think the busier I get, the longer I'm there, the easier it becomes to miss the moments where God is doing something incredible that he is inviting you to participate in that you will absolutely pass by if you're not paying attention. Happens to me all the time. I'm driving up and down the street, I see something... Uh, I see somebody sitting on the sidewalk, um, and I get so used to seeing people sitting on the sidewalk that I don't bother to stop. Hmm. I wonder what God encounter was waiting for me there that early on, I would have just stopped. Life wasn't quite as busy. It wasn't so crazy. There were so many, there weren't so many other things that were clouding my thought process. And so I don't always miss those opportunities, but I wonder how many I do miss because I'm so busy that I've stopped always paying attention, always being available, always looking for opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I think younger me would say, don't ever stop paying attention to where God's moving Mm. and, and be available so that he can use you in a way that you didn't expect. Amen.
0: Amen. And praise God, bro. I'm so thankful for you and your friendship and, uh, this was a lot of fun. I hope it wasn't too painful for you. Way
1: better than I expected. Thank you, brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeff says that at the end of all of our meetings. That's right. <laughs> that was way better than I expected. Uh, I thought that was going to be a soup sandwich. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Uh,
0: Don't you just love Jeff's heart, man? I, I could, uh, and I do love talking to that guy so much. He's such a heart for the uh, kingdom of God. He's got such a heart for Jesus. Do me a favor. Follow New Hope on all the socials. Get connected. If there's a way that you want to serve and we could facilitate that, let them know that you heard about it on the Reclamation Podcast. Um, Also, don't forget, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review, and uh, share this episode with a friend. We appreciate you guys so much. I'm so thankful to be a part of this community with you, with Jeff, with so many others. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.